0: Welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. We're here live from Health Systems Research 2022, and I have a guest with me, Ibrahim Dadari. Ibrahim, welcome to Connecting Citizens to Science. You've just done a great presentation, um, and you talked about the need to really have strategies to reach urban communities and the most vulnerable. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you, Kim, and thank you for this opportunity. I think it's very lively here. Uh, Great opportunity, great ambience. I'm Ibrahim Dadari, immunization specialist. I work with UNICEF based in New York HQ. I'm the focal point for urban, urban immunization, um, basically trying to see how we can reach these zero dose children and under vaccinated community or missed communities as well. That's what I do.
0: In urban spaces? In urban
1: spaces with particular focus on urban spaces.
0: That's great, thank you very much. You really talked about these strategies to reach urban communities and at Connecting Citizens to Science we want to understand how research can work with communities in a more cohesive way. Do you have anything to add about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean first to be able to reach these communities which we know they exist we have to map them out. But I think first is to identify these missed communities to see how we can get to them Um, How many are they? Where are they? Mm -hmm. Um, We know they are anecdotally or empirically, but we need to bring that data out. I think that's very, very important. Um, Secondly, in part of the work we do, we have strategies to support countries to develop specific policies or strategy documents, which are targeting some of these communities Mm -hmm. to be able to reach them with specific interventions. As you know, urban is a mixture of different things having tailor-made strategies meant for specific communities or contexts is really crucial in making sure we reach them of course we're establishing or trying to build partnerships with stakeholders across board at the global regional and the national level i'm trying to see how those partnerships can and alliances actually can help us to be able to work together towards reaching these communities we've seen just recently as i said in my presentation we've seen some efforts trying to estimate the number of zero-dose children for instance which is a marker of multiple deprivation by the way it's not only vaccination that is a first step Mm -hmm. Uh, it gives us um, goosebumps to see that in terms of a block you see the 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 zero-dose children or communities in the zero-dose within urban settings constitute a single largest block, okay. more than the, the, those in conflict and also those um, in rural, remote rural areas. So, so I think there's a lot that is not known, there's a lot that is not understood yet. We need to invest to understand and also try to develop telomet strategies for those.
0: How ready do you think policies are to really engage with communities and to change policies to engage them?
1: Policies are not ready in most instances. We have situations or countries where they're developing some policies, they've acknowledged that is an issue and they're trying to address it. When you look at it holistically or globally, um, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, Policies are still stuck in the past, thinking of societies being structured as they used to be 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. we need heightened advocacy to policymakers so that they can capture some of this uniqueness and peculiarities that exist within urban settings so that we can be able to reach vulnerable communities with services.
0: Excellent. So the need is there, we're ready, and the policies now need to be developed to to match that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Just one more thing before I let you go to get your lunch. You talked about engagement with local partners for local action. Can you tell me a bit more about what you mean?
1: Yes. I mean... There's no way we can win this battle without working with the local community groups. We've seen efforts trying to work with community, local community organizations, civil society within the context of this, but this is still at the preliminary stage. We need to advance these discussions, we need to advance these engagements, we need to make people understand the issues and also demand for services, you know, and demand for policies that address some of these issues the way it is now more of the a lot of these communities see it as a privilege but it needs to be understood as a right
0: finally um before i let you go we like a piece of advice for our listeners so people that want to connect with communities what would you recommend as a one piece of advice
1: Hmm, that's a difficult one (laughs) (laughs) i think they they need to engage they need to engage mobilize support community groups and work with them that is the only way to to strengthen their capacity, and so that they'll be able to to demand services and demand action.
0: Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the conference, thank and you so thank, much. You. thank you. Thank bye bye. Welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. We have another guest here, Sara Dada from University College Dublin, who has just sat through a three and a half hour session on community engagement for universal health coverage. So Sara, tell us a little bit about yourself, why you chose that session and why you care about community engagement.
2: I'm Sara, I am a PhD candidate at University College Dublin where I focus on community engagement for maternal and newborn health. My interest and passion for community engagement has really developed over the last four or five years from my master's working on community engagement in Ebola vaccine trials, where I really noticed that while community engagement has become an increasingly important component of disease preparedness, disease response, and even uh, universal health coverage, there is often this gap when it comes to evidence around implementation and what makes community engagement work in different settings. For my PhD, that is kind of what I focus on, trying to understand what, how, Uh, for whom and why community engagement and specifically the communications aspect of community engagement will work for maternal and newborn health programming such as antenatal care uptake. Community engagement is something that I am very excited about and this session was particularly interesting to me to hear some of the experiences and previous examples of using community engagement and community participation across a range of different health programs and interventions. In particular, it was disappointing to see that the the same gap remains in terms of evidence of implementation and that while there is so much hype for and so much excitement and enthusiasm for doing community engagement, so many reports and uh, experiences with it are often underwhelming in terms of what they did to implement it. It's very difficult for us to take lessons learned and to take insights towards future programs and future contexts when we don't really know what people are doing and how. So that's something that I think was reiterated in, in that session for me and kind of excites me for the work I'm doing in my PhD because hopefully I can help to answer that question.
0: Thank you so much. I think there's so much to unpick there, but let's start with communications. You said your PhD is really considering communication. Is that communication techniques? Can you tell us a bit more?
2: Yeah, so communication within community engagement to me is kind of a catch-all for when we're doing a community engagement approach or intervention. How are we communicating with um, different communities? Some of the really key principles that I've experienced so far and that I've read about are things like having reciprocal dialogues between communities and a program or policymakers, making sure that that communication is a two-way street, mm-hmm. or building those relationships and building trust and using trusted avenues of communication, trusted messengers to go out and communicate with community members. I think another really important one is around using relatable and relevant language, whether that's adapting to the language that is of a local community or even using examples and metaphors that are within their frame of reference and within the social norms in that community all of those different kind of aspects and principles of communications that would be important in when you're trying to go out and engage with the community
0: that's great thank you very much are you using any kind of participatory research methods in your phd
2: oh that's a great question so my Uh, Research really focuses on using a realist methodology and really encourage the use of both qualitative and quantitative data where it's much more reciprocal and they really try to break down the kind of power imbalances between a researcher and a participant. I am definitely hoping to use participatory approaches and participatory techniques in the interviews and in my data collection and even data analysis processes in my PhD. Excellent,
0: thank you so much. So I think the other thing that we want to know is here at Health Systems Research 2022, we're attending these sessions to try to learn. So what did you learn from that three and a half hour session that you might take away and apply?
2: That's a great question. There was so much, I think the, The big thing that I learned or that was reinforced to me was clarity in communication and in reporting. Something that I noticed throughout the session is that we use a lot of terms around participation and engagement, social engagement, community participation. And so really being clear about what we mean when we use this different terminology and trying to be consistent and create this operational definition for my own work and for work with colleagues going forward. And where is your work going to be based? I'm focusing my PhD on a case study in Zambia.
0: Excellent. Any final bits of advice that you would give others that are passionate about community engagement but maybe don't know where to start? Oh, that's also a great question.
2: (laughs) Um, I think the... The community engagement, I guess, field and and Mm -hmm. academics and practitioners is massive. It can definitely be a bit overwhelming, but I think that also can be a great thing because it means you can really just start anywhere through a simple Google and reaching out to people who do work that's of interest. For me, Twitter has been a massive place Mm -hmm. to connect and learn from from different colleagues. And so I would just dive in.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for participating.
2: Really appreciate your time.
0: And uh, thank you.
3: Hello, this is Connecting Citizens to Science podcast and we're here at the Health Systems Research Conference in Bogota. I'm here with Anna Soha from the Swiss Tropical and Public Health Institute. She's gonna talk to us a bit about her work and also her reflections on the Universal Health Code session that we've just attended. Anna, please can you tell us a little bit about your work and what you do?
4: Hi, nice to be here, thanks so much for the opportunity. I work, as you mentioned, as a health systems and health policy researcher with the Swiss Tropical and Public Health Institute in Basel, Switzerland. I work mostly on universal health coverage and systems thinking approaches to a different um, number of thematic areas. Uh, So it relates a lot to community engagement, which is one of the sessions we just were sitting in for three and a half hours. (laughs) And it's um, looking at the state of UAC commitment. So we really look at what countries are doing to um, implement their high level political commitments on the ground. So that's a bit of a synopsis. <laughs> Great, thank you so much. Um, and could you just tell us a little bit
3: about the thematic areas that you work on, just for the interest of the yes, listeners.
4: Of so I'm working a lot this year on cardiovascular diseases um, in Brazil and Senegal. A little bit in um, Vietnam, but not as much. Um, I we've also done a number of different areas with the systems thinking approach. So it relates mostly to NCDs, though I would say. Great, thank you so much. Um, and so, could you tell us a little bit about how you
3: engage with communities in your work mm. and why you think this is important?
4: Actually, that's a really good question. I feel like it's something that I'm still maneuvering between different uh, ways of approaching community engagement. One of our projects, it's really a high-level, global review of all the UN member states, 193. It's a little bit hard to do community engagement with <laughs> that scope, but what we do, so we're building a dashboard and doing a report on what I mentioned, the state of UAC commitment. So how we actually engage with communities is we actually invite um, participants to answer a survey. We actually collect data from anyone related to universal health coverage and their experiences uh, to try to feed that actually into a dashboard and the report. In addition to that, we are also collecting stories of their experiences on universal health coverage. What are some examples of the challenges that they've had and the barriers so that we can actually bring in that kind of more human element to the UAC dialogue at the global level. It's sometimes a bit more technical, but we need those human realities to come into that dialogue. Wonderful, that's really interesting. Uh, How do you engage
3: with those community members as part of that work? What's the sort of criteria you use for engaging with those people?
4: On that specific example which is a little bit harder because we're a bit more removed from the community we work with this organization called the Civil Society Engagement Mechanism. It's actually a coalition of civil society organizations, more grassroots and uh, there are partners to liaise with the communities and organizations on the ground. They do actually country-specific consultations. For example, in Vietnam, they've done some where they invite like healthcare providers, civil society, government practitioners, very multi-stakeholder in nature, but really about getting the community voice and funneling it up into the State of UAC commitment report. Personally, I feel like I'm not directly liaising with these community organizations, but I do that a bit more in my cardiovascular work so that's where i get the balance
3: really really interesting that sounds like an amazing and such a wide-reaching project super interesting thank you could you give us a few reflections on the session that we've just attended anything that really stood out to you that you're taking away from the session really
4: good question again there's so much information and um what's really stuck out to me though is the fact how we do these reports and literature research and on this topic of community engagement but there's still so little information out there that's being reported that's being monitored that's being evaluated and researched one key example of that is that i think out of this large systematic review only I'm probably getting numbers a bit wrong but like less than 10 like six studies have actually explained who they engaged in a community engagement mechanism and also in what kind of mechanism or form something along those lines there's really little information out there and it just like really highlights the need for this type of work to actually help us know how to do community engagement I think a lot of people uh don't think about that. There's a lot that goes into it to make it successful and not just like a tick block exercise.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the point they made about the resourcing and how little people know, how little evidence there is right. about how community participation is resourced was interesting exactly. as well. Yeah, totally agree. Great. Thank you so much, Anna, for talking to us. has been really interesting to hear about your work and your insights on the session. So thanks so much and enjoy the rest of the conference. Yes, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Hello, this is Connecting Citizens to Science podcast and we're here at the Health Systems Research Conference in Bogota with Sharbani Chakraborty. And she's going to be telling us a bit about her work and why she's here at the conference and also some reflections on the session that we've just had on universal healthcare. So Sharbani, thank you very much for joining us. Could you tell us a little bit
5: about your current role and area of study? Thank you very much uh, for inviting me to speak today. So I'm Senior Programme Director at Results for development and I lead our practice on mixed health systems which is highly relevant to universal health coverage because the reality is between 30 to 70% of people in low and middle income countries actually seek care in the private sector. But often the private sector is completely left out of policy making, of engagement and so what I'm doing and I consider myself an activist, I, I want to give a more equal voice to those who are being left behind. The universal health coverage discussion is very much concentrated ar- around providers who are quite powerful in the country, policymakers, and often donors, um, but groups such as consumers, communities, um, the private sector are left behind. And I do believe that if you want sustainable, inclusive policies, which are also highly cost effective, you need to work with a full range of stakeholders. I think that's really interesting and on connecting
3: citizens to science we are all about engaging with communities but we really haven't considered until this point private sector as part of that community so i think that's a really valuable insight um so could you tell us a little bit more about the session that you're um, on tomorrow we'd love to hear about it
5: great so results for development is part of the technical working group on private sector engagement and health which is part of hsr 2022 we're a small group of activists that are really promoting um, working with the private sector rather than telling the private sector what to do. A lot of our discussion, and we kicked off today with a session with the WHO, is what should be the research agenda with the private sector. Um, And I think what we are going to be arguing for tomorrow is that it should be inclusive. don't define the research agenda without the private sector or without communities, the consumers. And I think I cannot talk about the private sector without talking about communities and consumers because what we do know is that households and consumers don't think public or private. They want good quality care. And we forget that. And we tend to fragment the system into public and private. We are going to be talking about putting people at the center of universal health coverage. And if you want to do that, you have to build inclusive health systems, which means involve the private sector. Definitely. Thank you very much for that. Um,
3: So can you tell me a bit about how you engage with um, communities and the private sector in your work?
5: It's very exciting because I actually joined Results for Development to lead a a large project which is part of a consortium and it's a a USAID project called Frontier Health Markets Engage and at the core of FHM Engage is um, to get rid of the traditional form of technical assistance where you flew into a country, you developed a piece of document on what you should do with the private sector and you dropped it on somebody's desk and left or you went into a country and created a new private sector entity and when you left it it was not sustainable it fell apart so our approach is we call ourselves market facilitators go in as intermediary organizations and we generate the data Because often a big barrier to engagement between public and private sector, as well as with communities, is the data. Mm -hmm. Because everybody looks at different parts of the data, so you can never have an inclusive conversation. So we focus a lot on upstream data collection, but then we say we believe in tacit knowledge. We go into the country, we engage with stakeholders, we bring them together in public-private dialogue groups, get them to look at the data and diagnose the problem get them to own the problem. We share good practices, but they decide what should be the next steps. The idea behind that is that if you are in the process and you feel involved, you will also feel accountable. It's the process of doing private sector engagement very differently with communities, with policymakers, that I'm very excited about. I believe it's an innovative way to work with the private sector.
3: Definitely. Really, really interesting in a really new um, angle that we haven't thought about before. So thank you so much. Um, is there anything you'd like to add?
5: I would just say what a great idea to pick up on this. And I, I think just reflecting on the current session, the WHO who closed out said that Community engagement doesn't cost a lot of money. I think I would like to add to that, it's not that it just doesn't cost money. The cost-benefit ratio is huge because it's when you involve communities that you're going to have sustainable programs. We know from a lot of donor-driven programs is they have never been sustainable. That's why I'm not just passionate about this, but I believe this is the way we should be doing business.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sharbani. Enjoy the rest of the conference.
5: Thank you.